Welcome to First Baptist Church. You're listening to the preaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Please check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. Hi there, this is Pastor Sherman Burkhead, and this is Grace and Truth, a devotion that is meant to encourage you, but also meant to challenge you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ through a time in the Word and time in prayer. Um, if you hear a crunching sound through this audio, just know that I've got Calvin in the office, office with me, and he is chewing on one of his bones. Uh, hopefully, he'll quieten down here in just a minute. But today is April the 16th, 2020, and it is a beautiful day outside. The temperature is perfect. Everything is green and colorful, and it it's a blessing uh, for those of us who live in the desert here. Days like today are a perfect reminder of God's grace that he gives to all of mankind because today the sun is shining upon everyone, believers and unbelievers alike, people who trust in Christ and people who reject him. God has graciously given this beautiful day to all of us. And this is an important thing to remember. There are two types of grace that God gives to people. He gives general grace, which is the goodness that God gives to all of mankind, like beautiful days like today, uh, the gift of friendship, the gift of family, and the gift of freedom. The gifts like the, the taste of food and the sound of music and the touch of a loved one, those are all gracious gifts that God has given to every human being. But he also gives what's called special grace. That is the grace that he gives to those who belong to him. That is the gift of divine revelation, which is the written word, but it's also the incarnate word, Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, God has given us many, many gifts like eternal life and forgiveness of sins and the righteousness of Christ that we need to have a relationship with God, the gift of reconciliation with God, and even the gift of faith because we can't do it on our own. God is so very gracious to everyone, but he's especially gracious to those who put their faith and trust in Christ, which by the way, is why I say all the time that grad is an important part of life in general, but it's especially important for Christian life because we all, every one of us have more than our share to be thankful for. And today I'm thankful for many, many things, but I'm especially thankful for all of you. All right, all of you right now who are watching, I'm thankful to you and for you. I'm thankful for your support. I'm thankful for your encouragement. I'm thankful for all your comments and saying hello and, and, and checking in with us. I'm thankful for you sharing with me what you're thankful for. I am thankful to God for your faith in Christ. And I'm especially thankful for your love and for your continued friendship. Um, God, again, has been so very good to me, and all of you are a reminder of that to me. But what about you? What are you grateful for? Yesterday, Rick said that he was grateful for his family and his friends and being accepted by Boron Baptist Church, which reminds me that is who we are. We're a loving community of Christ followers that are passionately in pursuit of Jesus, deeply connected to one another, and completely committed to sharing the hope of Jesus Christ with our community and our world. And you are welcome here. And I would certainly love to hear from you and what you're thankful for. Uh, you can message me here on Facebook. You can email me at fbcboron at gmail.com, or you can call us at the office at 760-762-5149. Let us practice our gratitude together. Today, I'd like for you to turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 11. John 
chapter 11. We're going to be reading verses 30 through 35. So John chapter 11, uh, verse 30 through 35 reads this way. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rising quickly to go out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, please come and see. And in the shortest verse, in one of the most important verses of the Bible, it says, Jesus wept. Jesus cried real tears. Now, now why? One of the most important questions you can ask when it comes to reading the Bible and studying the Bible is to ask the question, why? Why would he cry? Why would Jesus cry in a moment like this? You see, Jesus, when he had heard that Lazarus was sick, he didn't immediately come to go heal him. In fact, actually, he waited. He waited several days and said that he had fallen asleep and, and that God was going to be glorified. He knew that Lazarus was going to die. He knew that he would die and that Jesus was going to go back to Bethany and raise Lazarus to, to new life. That was the plan. right? He had come back there to glorify the Father by raising Lazarus from the dead, and this would then inspire many people to faith, and it would strengthen the faith of many others. So this would have been a good thing, right? So why cry about it, right? Because the tears that these people shed, right? Why, why would he cry? Because those tears would soon be turned to joy. He knows he had come there to make them joyful again. Not to mention Jesus is not just a miracle worker. He's not just some guy in the Bible. He's not just some man that God uses supernaturally. He is incarnate deity. He is God in the flesh. This, by the way, is why theology is so important. Right? Remember in the same book, John opened up with the words, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And if you have any questions about who the word might be, John tells us in, in verse 14 of the same chapter, he says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the incarnate word. He is God in the flesh. He is the second member of the Trinity. So why then would he cry? Being God, he knows that Lazarus was going to die. Being God, that he knew that he would raise him back to life. Being God, he's the one who planned for this. He is the one who's in full control of the entire situation. Why would Jesus cry? Well, the answer to the verse is verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. What you need to understand is when we read this text, that's an important you know, verse there, but when we read it in English, it doesn't always fully capture the emotion of the text. The Greek language is so much more rich. And, and, and what it's saying here 
is when Jesus was deeply moved, the Greek word here means he literally made an audible sound like a like a snort. The word is rooted in, in, in the sound a horse would make when a horse was upset or agitated. It's an audible, physical reaction to something. Right? He, hear, he sees these people and he responds physically that causes him to make a groan or a snort or a, a, a noise out loud. The point being that, that Jesus seeing his friends in grief has this emotional and physical impact on him. This wasn't just a moment of melancholy sadness. This wasn't just sentimentality like, oh, look at those poor little creatures, right? This was a very real, very powerful sense of grief. Jesus was deeply moved emotionally by the pain of his friends. Their grief had a profound impact on him. And this caused him to weep, to, to shed real tears. And this, this has a lot to tell us about who Christ is. Right? The first thing that it tells us that God is, is a personal being. Jesus Christ was fully man, but also fully God. The Bible tells us that he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. In Jesus Christ, we see the fullness of, of God's revelation. And what we see here is, is that he is not some impersonal cosmological force. He isn't some disinterested creator who's absent from his creation. God is not some emotionless despot who can't relate to us. He's a personal being, a being who created us to have a relationship with him. We are relational beings because we're made in his image. God is personal and he is relational. In fact, that is why Jesus came in the flesh to be with us and to build a relationship with us, to restore us back into a relationship with God. Secondly, it tells us that Christ is compassionate. Christ literally feels something for us. His feelings, his love for us is real. His, <clears throat> his love is not just some high ideal, right? His love is not just some obedience to some kind of a standard. His love is, is, is certainly volitional and it's an act of his will, but it is also emotional. Jesus feels compassion for us. He feels love for us. And that, that moves him emotionally toward us. Christ is moved for us emotionally. Now, let's be really careful here. Okay, Christ doesn't experience emotions exactly the way that we do because he is God and he is holy. Christ, unlike us, cannot be swept away by his emotions. Christ, like unlike us, can never lose control of his emotions. But his emotions are real for him nonetheless. The thing that we need to see here is, is Christ absolutely experiences emotions toward us. Right? He knows what it's like. He can identify with us. He came into the world to walk in our shoes and he knows and feels our feelings. And, and his love for us is a very real love, which then leads to number three, Christ cares about what you're going through. This is a truth that you need to hold on to today. This is a truth that's relevant to your life right now. He cares about what's happening to you individually. He doesn't just care about humanity in general. He cares about you specifically as a human being, right? He knows your pain. He knows your heartache. He knows what you're going through. 
and he cares when when you feel pain and you feel all alone and life everything is 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 going sideways remember the creator of the universe knows your name and he cares about you and what you're going through individually christ is moved by your grief your tears mean something to him that's what the bible tells us right the lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit that's why jesus says to us come all you who labor and who are heavy laden i will give you rest take up my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light that is why peter says to us cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you and if there's one thing to remember from our time today if you forget everything else i said let that be something you remember christ cares for you individually in fact he cares so much for you that he came in the world to rescue you Jesus Christ came and lived the perfect life you couldn't live, and he willingly went to the cross on your behalf, and on the cross, he took upon himself your guilt and your sin, and he endured in his body the awful and terrible wrath of God that you deserved. And on that cross, all of your sin was credited to him, and by faith in Christ, his righteousness is credited to you so that now you can be reconciled back into a relationship with God that you were created for. And all you need to do is repent and believe the gospel and your sins will be wiped away and you will be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And in that moment you have, in that moment you believe, eternal life and a future hope. That is how much Christ cares for you. Understand Jesus weeping is a clear picture of how the Savior feels about his children. He loves you. He is compassionate toward you. Turn to him and hold on to him in faith. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your your compassion. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you that you do love us with a real love, not a, not a phony love, but a real love, a love that we can identify with. Though your love is different and holier than ours, we can still relate to it because of what it's like. Father, help us all to walk in that love. Help us to know that you love us. Help us to see the depths of your love for us and help us to see then how beautiful the price is that Christ paid to save us, that he endured the wrath that we deserve because of that love. Father, we pray that you would glorify yourself by opening our eyes to that love more and more, and that all of us, Lord God, would walk in that and be transformed by that and be changed by that so we would go out into the world and do what you're calling us to do, which is to follow you and share the hope of Christ with our community and our world. Help us, Lord God, to storm the gates of hell for your glory. Father, we pray right now for this virus to be at an end. We pray, Lord God, for the people who are affected by it, that you would heal them in their bodies, Lord, that they would get the medical care that they need, despite what Governor Cuomo might say. Yes, Lord God, you're the one who turns the tide, not mankind. I pray, Father, that you would, uh, you would strengthen the leaders of our country, 
that you would help them to make good decisions so that we can get our, our lives back to normal and our economy restarted and get in our, our back in our houses of worship again. I pray, Lord God, that you would bless the frontline workers and protect them, that you'd pr- you protect also, Lord, the, the essential workers who are exposed to the public. I pray, Father, that you would also bless and protect those who need your help financially, all the people who are out of work, and that you would provide for their needs because you, Lord God, are our provider. I pray, Father, you would bless those who are struggling financially. And I pray, Father, most importantly, Lord, that through this, people's eyes and hearts would be turned to you and that the lessons we'd learn from this, Lord, is that our freedoms are valuable and our relationship with you is the most important thing that we have and that we would not take it for granted and that we would live as people who are grateful to God. God for those things and we would defend those things as well. I pray, Father, for your gracious hope to reign supreme over all of our community and our country as well. We give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So with that, I thank you so much for joining me and thank you for tolerating Calvin here chewing on his bone. Um, If I could move the camera around, I'd show you him, but uh, he's my buddy here at the office. Uh, But with that, please know that you were loved you were prayed for, you were deeply missed, and we look forward to seeing you very soon. Grace and peace. You've been listening to the preaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead, a production of First Baptist Church in Boron, California. Our website address is fbcboron.org. And would you please consider partnering with us financially as we work to share the hope and the gospel of Jesus Christ with our community and our world.